Well, uh, this morning I'm delighted to introduce to you Chris Hankins, who's uh, coming in to serve this week. I have been at the beach this week, and so I did not want to write a sermon. So uh, Chris uh, generously offered to come and uh, lead us in worship. You might recognize Chris. He was here last summer when I was on sabbatical. Uh, he's starting a new series called Signature Moments, and one of Chris's signature moments is Chris loves starting things. Uh, he started the Point Church in the early, mid-2000s, and since then they have planted uh, over a dozen churches and campuses across the Triangle area. Uh, that wasn't enough. Chris started a, a larger organization called Carolina Movement, and the goal of Carolina Movement is to plant 100 churches across the state of North Carolina in 10 years. And so Chris has been working at that since 2016, and uh, there's like all kinds of good stuff happening. We are a Carolina Movement church. We contribute to that. We have helped uh, Jason Bentley down at Waterview Church in Mooresville, outside of Charlotte, uh, with their church plant. So we're a part of Carolina Movement. Uh, Chris has been just a gift to the Triangle, a gift to the state of North Carolina, and a gift to me personally. Some churches, some churches and some pastors can get like territorial. Maybe you've seen that before. Like Chris <laughs> is so open-handed. He just loves anything that's sort of moving the kingdom of God forward. He's been a great gift to me. We've got lunch. I share my woes. He uh, is a, a great partner in ministry and a, just a gift to me. And so we are delighted to have you back, Chris. Thank you so much for serving and uh, blessings on you. Can we welcome Chris as he comes to speak to us this morning? Thank you, Alex. Uh, man, it has been a privilege over the last few years. Just, man, so many pastors don't have friends. And so, man, Alex is a friend to me, friend in ministry. Love you, bro. And I am honored to be here. So, let's jump in. Let me ask you a question. Uh, is there anyone here who just loves to lose? Any, anyone like, man, I want to be a loser when I grew up, right? Like, that's my goal in life. You, you, any sports players that are like, my goal is, like, if I could get to that championship game and just really blow it, right, on that, like, last shot, miss that last shot, maybe I could strike out looking, right, in the College World Series. Maybe you, you dream of being on Wheel of Fortune and spinning the wheel and seeing it land on bankrupt, right? Like, if there was someone who, like, lost their mind with excitement when they landed on bankrupt, like, we would say, like, you need to go and see a mental health professional, right? That's not normal. However, there's so often I think that we as Christians have a real tension with this idea of winning or, or succeeding. It's like, is, is it okay? Is it ungodly for Christians to want to get ahead in life, want to succeed, want to win? Well, we're starting this new signature, uh, signature moment series over the summer, and I'm excited to get to start it, get to kick it off, and we're going to be looking at the life of Jacob, the life of Jacob, and Jacob is one of my favorite, I think, uh, figures, characters, heroes in the Bible, uh, I think because I relate to him uh, so much. So Jacob is someone who is, I think, driven to win driven to succeed, maybe more than anyone else in the scriptures. You see, Jacob is a twin. I don't know if we have any, any brother, anyone here with brothers, sisters, sibling rivalry. Well, see, Jacob was a twin. His brother was Esau, and you're going to see people's names mean a lot here in this uh, story in the Bible. So his brother Esau, which his name means hairy, right? So any hairies here? All right, so... His brother's name was Harry, and, and his name was Jacob, which means heel grabber or deceiver. And you see, Jacob, on the moment he was born, lost. 
he lost birth, <laughs> right? So his brother Esau was born first, and Jacob was born second. Now, in, in Old Testament, in the, the line of, you know, the oldest son was the one to get the inheritance. The oldest son was the one to get the blessing. And so literally, like, Jacob lost by, like, minutes, and he spends his entire life trying to make up for it. I don't know if there's anyone here who relates to this idea of, of feeling like you started life behind. You, you, you started life at a disadvantage. You see, I relate to the story of Jacob because that's how I felt. My, my parents got divorced when I was one years old. Uh, I grew up in a, in a lower class family. Uh, both my, my dad and my mom uh, lived in trailers. And so I grew up in, in a very rural part of North Carolina, Rockingham County, uh, Reedsville, North Carolina. If you've never heard of it, there's probably a reason for that. So not a lot of people, right? More, more tobacco plants than, than people. And so I always kind of had this inferiority complex growing up where like, I didn't feel like I was as good as the other kids. And so, therefore, right, I tried to live a life that was trying to prove that I was as good as, I was good enough, I was worthy. And I think that's what we find here in Jacob, right? He, he is not the favorite son of his father. Esau is. And, and he's spending his life trying to work to win approval and trying to get ahead, and so Jacob is trying to succeed. He's trying to win. And, and here's, here's what maybe is, maybe this is a little, uh, maybe put you off a little bit or maybe take you by surprise. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there is anything wrong with trying to succeed. In fact, let's, can we just look at the definition of success? All right. This is according to dictionary.com. So you know it's credible. All right. I think this is the, the, the clearest, most concise definition I've heard. Success is the accomplishment of one's goals. The accomplishment of one's goals. Is there anything wrong with that? Right? I think we can have some pretty godly goals, right? In our budget video, we just laid out some godly goals, right? Like, like we, this is our goal. Our goal is to be able to, to see us hit this budget number so that we can meet all of these needs in the community and if we can do that, man, that is success. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So what is wrong with Jacob? Now, obviously, if you are familiar with the story of Jacob, which we're going to really take a deep dive into this morning, you know that, that it's not the problem that Jacob wanted to succeed. It's the way that he went about it. You see, we have a problem when we seek to be successful at the Wrong things in the wrong ways through relying on the wrong people. I'm going to say that again. We have a problem when we seek to be successful at the wrong things in the wrong ways through relying on the wrong people. See, Jacob pursues success in all the wrong ways. He, his, his goals are selfish. He lies to his father conspires with his mother and steals from his brother all to get ahead, all to succeed. And the interesting thing is that it works. Like, 
his diabolical plan to, to deceive his father and steal from his brother, it works. Like, he, he succeeds. He, he gets the blessing. He gets the birthright. But here's what I want you to know. Church, if, if you succeed at the wrong things in the wrong ways, it will never bring you peace. It will never bring you joy. See, Jacob finally gets what he is trying to, to do. He gets the birthright. He gets the blessing. But the end result is misery. Genesis chapter 27, it ends with Jacob running for his life. He's alone, he's unprotected, and instead of having his vast family estate that he tried to steal, he has only what he can carry on his back. Listen to the difficult place we find Jacob as we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 27. And here's what I want to say. If you're in a difficult place this morning, I want you to take heart. I think that, that Jesus says, in this world, we, you will have trouble. And so if you come this morning in a spot where you're in trouble, you're experiencing trouble, your circumstances, whether like you are in uh, difficult circumstances because of what other people have done, or maybe you're in difficult circumstances because of your own mistakes, <laughs> take heart. Because I believe that many times our mistakes and, and our negative circumstances are, are really not setbacks, they're actually setups. For what God wants to do in our life. So, Genesis chapter 27. Let me pray as we get into God's word. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we read your word, that it would be alive and active. I pray that it would be sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that it would, it would cut to our hearts. God, it would convict us in areas we need to be convicted. And it would encourage us in areas we need to be encouraged. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to, to move and to work, to open our, our minds to understand, open our ears to hear. And Father, I pray that you would draw us this morning into a closer relationship with you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 36 and then jump to verse 41. Esau, Jacob's brother, exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, which means deceiver. For now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told that her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say, flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. So as we learn from this passage, this, this path of deceit Jacob is on is not working, right? His name literally means deceiver and the result of living this kind of lifestyle to achieve these selfish goals in ungodly ways results in a, in a man on the run. Everything is crashing down around him. He, he's at the end of his rope. And I love this story because he is at a moment where he literally has nothing and no one, right? A, apart from God, right, Jacob is lost. Apart from God, Jacob has 
no hope. However, with God, anything is possible. Genesis chapter 28, we're about to see Jacob have a signature moment. We're about to see Jacob have a defining moment. We're going to look at two defining signature moments for Jacob. And I want you to notice that both of them occur in the presence of God. Both of them occur in the presence of God. And so if you're looking to have signature moments in your life, let me just encourage you, get into the presence of God. Stay in the presence of God. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Okay, so our anti-hero Jacob (laughs) is on the road running for his life and he lays down to sleep. And just to show how far he has fallen, he is literally using a rock for a pillow. I love how the Bible includes just little details that, that help you to know, like, this guy literally did not even have a pillow to lay his head on. He's running for his life. He just grabs whatever he can put in a, in a satchel, and he hits the road. And so he is laying down at night with a rock for his pillow. Verse 12, God has him right where he wants him. <laughs> Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. With his top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you, and your offspring. Defining moment. Jacob encounters the God of the universe, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Never underestimate what can happen in the presence of God. And in this interaction, I want you to notice that literally everything changes for Jacob. And here's why. Right? We, we talked about the, the opposite of success right? Is, is ungodly goals through ungodly ways, through relying on ungodly people. Here, Jacob has his whole idea of what success is redefined. And, and my prayer is that, that we, in this, in this morning, in this time together, that we can begin to redefine what success looks like for a child of God, Okay? God redefines the goal of Jacob's life. God redefines the way Jacob lives, and God redefines the person Jacob relies on. Redefines the goals for his life, the way he lives, and the person he relies on. It starts out by saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. It's interesting. God had a intimate, close, deep relationship with Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, right? Father Abraham, (laughs) like everybody, like we are children of Abraham. We are children of the promise. Like you could not have had a closer relationship with God than Abraham. He was the father of the faith. And then we have his son, Isaac. Once again, God had a close, intimate, personal relationship with Isaac. 
However, up to this point, we have zero evidence, zero mention that Jacob had his own relationship with God. Here's what I want you to know. God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. What that means is you cannot get to heaven. You cannot rely on your mama's faith, your daddy's faith, your grandma's faith, your uncle's faith. As a pastor, I cannot tell you how many people that I've talked to about God, and they're like, oh, I'm good. My dad was a pastor. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> God wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with every single one of you, and he wants to call you son. He wants to call you daughter. And here in this moment, we see that God is establishing this intimate, close, personal relationship with Jacob for the first time. And he says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I want you to check this out. What was Jacob's goal? Jacob's goal was steal what he wanted from his brother, right? He wanted the birthright. He wanted the, the inheritance. Like, he thought, if I can get what I want through my ways, then I'll have it made. Here's what I've come to realize through many years of uh, beating my head against the wall. God's plans are always better than my plans. Like, how small-minded were the plans of Jacob, and how grand and amazing were the plans of God? Right? Jacob's plans, his goals, his dreams were so short-sighted, God's plans were greater than he could imagine. Right? It says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Anybody have any idea maybe who, maybe one of Jacob's descendants might be? Jesus? Right? Like we just took communion. We just, we are all blessed through the descendants of Jacob. God's plans for Jacob were beyond imagination. And I believe, and we're going to be talking about some different verses this morning, that God's plans for you are beyond imagination. And I know, I know that I know that his plans for you are better than your plans for you. That sounds beautiful and nice. It is so hard to actually believe, actually receive that, and actually surrender to say, okay, Right, Carrie Underwood, great theologian, said, Jesus, take the wheel, right? That is so hard. It is so hard to say, God, I know that I've been working my whole life to achieve this, to go here, to be this, to be with this person, or to, to get this job, or to, to climb this ladder, and now you're saying that you want me to set my plans aside and to trust that your plans are better than mine? Right? That sounds great when we're reading it in a story from the Bible. When we apply it to our own life, it is so hard. I know for me, it was so hard. I had a three goals for my life. Very simple, very selfish. Number one, make a lot of money. Right? I was never going to be in the situation that I was in as a child. Make a lot of money. Number two, have a big house. I'd already had it drawn up on AutoCAD. I was ready. Number three, marry a hot wife. Those are my three life goals. Very simple. I'm not a complicated man. Make a lot of money, live in a big house, marry a hot wife. 
Those were my goals. Those were my plans. And God said, you know what? That's way too small. I have such greater plans for your life. If you will just lay those plans down and surrender to what I have to you. What are your plans? What are the things that you've been striving for? What are the things that you've been chasing after? Have you actually stopped to say, God, what are your plans for my life? (laughs) What do you want for me? Are, Are you asking God to bless your plans? Are you asking God to show you his plans? Jeremiah 29, 11, this is, this is the one that did it for me. I, I was in a service, uh, hearing a pastor who was nothing special, but he was preaching something very special. He was preaching the word of God, and he, he read Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, I was terrified that God had terrible plans for me. Right? Like, God's goal was to make me miserable, and if I submitted to whatever he wanted for my life, which I had an inkling was to be a pastor, like, that I would be poor, that I would spend my whole life dealing with other people's problems, I would be miserable, and who wants to marry a pastor? Right? Like, I'm so glad that I took God up on his word. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans for you, and they are good plans. God had plans for Jacob, and they were good plans, not to harm him, but to prosper him. Here's what I want you to know. God is not out to get you. God is out to bless you. You read from cover to cover. God's posture towards people his first inclination towards people is to bless garden of eden right which came first the blessing came before the punishment god's his first priority his first goal is to bless he's a good good father who loves to give good gifts to his children let's keep reading genesis 28:15 i am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and i will bring you back to this land i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised you see the second realization that that we have to have in order for us to have this kind of signature defining moment in our life is this success comes through staying in god's presence success comes through staying in god's presence. God promises Jacob that wherever he goes, God will go. Right? So Jacob's on a journey, right? He's fleeing, he's going far from home, but the good news is is that he serves the God of the universe that wherever he goes, God says, "I will be with you. I will watch over you. I will guide you. I will never leave you." And we, this here's what I want you to know. This is not just a story for Jacob. This is not just a story for superheroes of the Bible. This is a story for you. Right? We just celebrated communion that, that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could have relationship, we could have communion with God. And Jesus then said, it's better that I would leave so that I could send my Holy Spirit. Last week was Pentecost Sunday. Last week is the 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 day that we celebrate God sending his Holy Spirit to come and to dwell inside of every believer so that, guess what, wherever we go, God goes. 
That there's no place that we can go, no, no heights that we can soar, no depths that we can sink to, no, no distant country we can run to that God will not be with us right there. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what the gift of the Holy Spirit is? God's presence in you. God's presence in you. There's one last thing I want you to see in this signature moment. We haven't seen a response from Jacob. Right? We've, we've seen what God has promised. He's promised that, that he's got incredible plans, incredible goals for Jacob. He, he's got this awesome future for him. He promises he's going to go with him. He's going to be with him. He will guide him. He will protect him. But how is Jacob going to respond? See, a relationship takes two. Right? It, it's a two-way thing. Listen to Jacob's response, uh, 28, 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. The stone of his suffering has now become the stone of promise. Verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. We could do a whole message on tithing, but I'm going to keep going. The final realization that we each need to have is that success comes through committing to God. Success comes through committing your life to the Lord. Jacob encounters a living God, and he completes the signature moment by making a commitment of himself, of his life to God. He takes this rock and he sets it up as a pillar, as a monument, as an altar. He pours oil on it. Here, here's, do you know what it means for something to be holy? It, it, it simply means set apart, right? So, so Jacob takes something that is ordinary, a rock, right? We took something earlier, just as Alex said, bread and wine, something ordinary. He takes something ordinary, a rock, and he makes it something holy. He pours oil on it. Because this rock is now something that is set apart. This, this is going to be the house of God. Jacob's going to later come back here, and, and, and he's going to worship the Lord where this rock is. See, God wants us to be a people who are holy. He wants us to be a people who are set apart. Because he has a special purpose, he has a special place for us. See, for us, baptism is that commitment ceremony. Baptism is that place where we take something extremely ordinary, water. Like what could be more ordinary than water, right? Two-thirds of the earth. But it becomes holy. It becomes set apart when we say this is for a special purpose. This water is going to represent a, a, a burial. It's going to represent a death to my old life and the beginning of a new life. This water is going to represent the washing of my sins. That, that, that my sins are going to be washed away, that, that they're going to be removed as far as the east is from the west. If you've never made that commitment to God on June 18th, we're going to have a baptism ceremony 
here at Chatham Community. There's already several people who have made that decision. Let me encourage you. Just be thinking about right now. Have you made a commitment to God? Have you, have you taken that, that water and made it holy and, and submitted yourself, committed yourself to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? So Jacob makes this commitment and then he goes off on his journey. And then over the next 20 years, he learns what it looks like to walk with God. He learns what it, what it looks like to follow God. He listens to God and God blesses him. When he has his first defining moment with God... He is single, childless, penniless, and homeless. However, after Jacob surrendered to God's plan and stayed in God's presence, he experienced true success, the blessing of God. And after 20 years, Jacob is now returning home. Married, great wealth, 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes of Israel. And after 20 years of following God, he's now ready for a second signature moment, a second defining moment. Now, this is the moment that most of us think about as like the pinnacle of Jacob's life, right? This is the moment that, that we, we talk about. However, here's what I want you to see. Jacob would have never been ready for this moment 20 years later if it wasn't for that moment 20 years earlier where he committed his life to following God. He gave his life over to God. He surrendered to God's plans and learned to walk in God's ways in God's presence. So often, right, you look at, at superstars, you look at heroes in our, in our culture, sports people winning, you know, the NBA championship or the, the World Series or whatever, the, the, whatever it is, and, and you're like, man, that is amazing, right? But it took years and years of walking out whatever the thing that they do. And for us, discipleship is a process. And as we walk with God over time, he's, it's called progressive sanctification, right? He is changing us little by little. One of my favorite sayings is, I'm not yet the man I want to be, but praise God, I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not yet the man I want to be, but praise God, I'm not the man I used to be. And so 20 years of Jacob walking with God has now prepared him for this signature moment. We're just going to look at it very briefly, but it's so important. Genesis 32 Verse 25, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, you, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and have overcome. And this encounter with what I believe is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, Jacob wrestles with God all night long. And he refuses to let go. Why? Because Jacob now knows where his help comes from. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't need to deceive his father. He doesn't need to steal from his brother. He doesn't need to conspire with his mother. He's no longer interested in that. Right? He's interested into holding on to God because he knows where his help comes from. Psalm 121.1, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, what, what Jacob is doing in this moment is actually an incredible demonstration of faith. He is holding on to the Lord for dear life. 
because he know he has his, his, his grip on the one person in the world who can bless him. Let me ask you this morning, how tightly are you holding on to the Lord? God changes his name from deceiver, Jacob, to overcomer, Israel. And, and God wants that same thing for us. Whatever the circumstances in your life right now, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have what? Overcome the world. Whatever your circumstances are this morning, if you find yourself in trouble, which I think we always find ourselves in some sort of trouble because we live in a fallen world, the way to overcome is to trust in the ultimate overcomer, Jesus Christ. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame death. He overcame the grave. He overcame Satan. He overcame sin, all to help us, his his children, followers of Jesus Christ to overcome in our lives. Do you want to be an overcomer? Do you want to have that signature moment? Then your next step is so simple. Follow in the footsteps of Jacob and commit your life to the Lord. Commit your life to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs 3, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Right? Super simple. If you are in a position where you want to redefine what success looks like in your life, you want to exchange your plans for God's plans, you want to stop living your way, you want to start living God's way, you want to walk in his presence and, and rely on his strength instead of your own, if, if you're at that place this morning, then you can have what I believe will be the signature moment of your life when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You will experience forgiveness, you'll experience peace, you'll experience love, you'll experience joy, you'll experience fulfillment, you'll experience purpose, and ultimately you will experience a relationship with God that leads to eternal life when you receive the Holy Spirit. So here's what you need to do. Admit your mistakes, believe in Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord and Savior, and decide to follow him. And you're, uh, in the back of your seat, we mentioned this earlier, there's something called a hello card, right? So on the back, there's a place that says, how can we pray for you? Here's this, I want to challenge you to do this. Either write on this card that I want to follow Jesus, or if you've never been baptized, you've never had that commitment ceremony with the Lord, write down, I want to be baptized. And Alex and the team here will follow up with you and, and help you to have that signature moment in your life. And, and what I'm praying is that, that there would be a lot of people who are having signature moments on June 18th when we have this baptism day here at Chatham. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that you're a good, good father who knows how to give good gifts to your children. Thank you that you're not out to get us, but out to bless us. Father, help us to redefine success. God, not in, in pursuing our own selfish goals and our own ways, God, but through God, embracing and surrendering to your plans, through following you, through walking in your ways, walking in your presence. Father, would you help us today, help us this week to just stay in your presence, to, to, to have an, an attitude of praying without ceasing, starting our day with you, walking with you. God, I pray that, that you'd be the first person we speak to when we wake up and the last person we speak to 
as we fall asleep. God, and would you continue to move and work and mold and shape us into the image of your son, Jesus, so that we can do all the things that you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.